Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I am your host, D Palm. Follow me on Twitter at DPalm66. Follow the show on Twitter at UDPod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't lose it. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere podcasts are given away for absolutely free 99. We are back again. And um, you may have noticed a lot of bad things are happening in sports right now. I could come on here and talk about the Saints-Broncos game that a combined 10 completions and a combined 91 yards of uh, passing offense with three interceptions. I'm not going to do that. I could talk about Derek Mason getting fired at Vanderbilt and all the nonsense that's happening in college football. I'm not going to have to talk about that. I could talk about the NBA squandering all the goodwill it garnered from the bubble by doing a regular season without a bubble as COVID cases spike. I'm not going to do that either. Today, we've got the guest you all like the most, who isn't me, who isn't my father either. It's actually my wife, Susan, and we're going to talk about, well, quarantine in a very, very fun way. Susan, how's everything going? I'm great. I'm excited that you are still willing to talk to me, considering we've been, you know, stuck in the house together for eight months. It helps that it's been two different houses. I'm not going to lie. That's true. Uh, That's the true. change of scenery in the middle really shook up the whole thing, made it all feel like new quarantine. Um... But no, I'm really excited to have you here. And uh, yeah, so we're going to talk today to my wife about how we're surviving quarantine. And the way we've been doing it, aside from not talking to each other, of course, has been to me kind of like show her what the, the things I love and things that she loves. We've been kind of like doing like a, a, a cultural exchange almost. She's been showing me things like Veronica Mars. I've been showing her things like Rebels and Clone Wars. And that's what we're going to talk about today because we've watched more than that. We've watched... I know Susan's gotten heavy into Archer now, which we could do an entire hour on, I know, as well. It's true. I'm, letting, I'm giving uh, you a little space here for Archer for Archer love, because for oh. years, I would watch Archer, and you'd be like, this show looks stupid, and now? I was wrong. I was so wrong. I couldn't <laughs> be wronger. Yeah, that's right. Wronger. Wronger. Um, and well, I do appreciate you saying that on record and uh, for perpetuity because this just, podcast lasts forever. Um, just about that right specific nope, nope, thing. It drops, lady. <laughs> that's a drop if I ever figure out how to do them. No, we're here today because I've been promising this podcast all quarantine. So a little behind the scenes. At one point in quarantine, I made a comment that we had watched Rebels and Clone Wars and that I was going to have Susan on to do a podcast about it. And there's good reaction from the listeners. And... I kept punting and kept punting and kept punting. And part of it was like, yeah, we're doing a lot of stuff and like life's been crazy. And I am generally a lady human being, but also I had a feeling this past Friday was going to happen. And so for those who are unindoctrinated, first of all, you're not going to get a whole lot of sports this podcast. Spoilers. You are going to get a whole lot of star Wars talk. Spoilers. Um, and there are going to be spoilers in that talk, but because on Friday, the newest episode of the Mandalorian came out, it was directed by Dave Fioni, a name you're going to know very well at the end of this podcast. And it just featured the live action introduction of Ahsoka Tano, um, the ex-Jedi. And for a lot of people out there, had a moment of, well, who is this? And they ran to the Googles. It was the second time since we've been together that I've watched genre programming bring me to tears. The first time was during Wonder Woman's No Man's Land scene. And then when they aired, when Ahsoka sparked those lightsabers at the beginning of this latest episode of Mandalorian, can you tell us, the, the audience, before we get into the background, just what that moment hit like for you? Oh, my God. I, I screamed. I whooped. I <laughs> I can't believe they did it. And they pulled it off so effortlessly. I mean, how exciting. Like, you, you knew she was coming. But it just, 
I just still can't believe that they pulled it off the way that they and, did. And I think one of the things that they're pulling it off is that they took someone who, like you said at the time, is so famous in the Rosario Dawson. Yes. And at no point watching that say, watching that show, you were like, oh, that's Rosario Dawson to make it. Like, no, they've they've somehow made the Soviets now a real life person. Yes, not for a second did her celebrity get in the way of the character. It's it's perfect. And before we get into the, we've now established that you are someone who recognized who that character was. Let's get into how we got here because when you and I started dating, let's be really honest here, you weren't exactly versed in the wars of the star. No, I I'd seen the movies that were out at that point, but no, you, okay. I, but maybe once. You know what I mean? Like casual casually had watched them, never invested in any sort of way, couldn't tell you anything in depth about any character. And you know, I like, may have forced her to watch the trilogy before we got married. <laughs> Force. Uh, okay. What, the, the first time I met Mike, he asked That's... me what my favorite <laughs> Star Wars movie was. And you told me how to answer it before I met him. You were like, he's this fucking nerd. He's going to ask me He's going to ask this question. Here's your answers for fantasy. And, and he did. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you gave the right answer because it worked, and now we're married. See, it all worked yeah. out. Oh, all Not because that of Mike. Mike was the arbiter of us getting married, but <laughs> it worked. Um, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about quarantine because over quarantine, you were. I was like, hey, this is some time. We're quit. we're not going anywhere. I think this would be a fun show for us to rock through. It was Clone Wars, and I knew at first you were a little bit. There was some trepidation, correct? Because let's be real, it's a, it's a CGI cartoon about movies that are largely uninspired upon first watch. Yeah. Yes. I was, I was hesitant, but it, I was thinking today it's, it is of the shows that we have watched the, the immersion into to nerdhood that we've done in the last oh, eight oh months. Lord. Yes. Thank you. This is the only show that I would watch alone. And at some point it was a bad show. I liked it so much. That I would... It's it's interesting because that was so that was the first time they gave Dave Fioni kind of the reins to do whatever he wanted. It's, he still had certain requirements to hit and certain things he had to do, which you saw the one-off episodes that the, that were blatantly designed to appeal to children. It's fine. But you're oh right. Times, go ahead. Those are some of the best. I mean, those are great, too. <laughs> I'm just going to fangirl out this entire That's podcast. because It's just so fun. Even those episodes are so like just full of joy, but also embody all of the mythos of of the entire story. Uh, you know. Okay, so let me introduce Clone Wars really quickly, and then I'll let you wax philosophic on all the great things that came out of it. So, original Star Wars, 1977, New Hope, Episode Four. Obi Wan, Ben Kenobi tells Luke Skywalker, "I fought alongside your father in the Clone Wars," and at that point, it's a throwaway line. In the late 90s, they decided to do the prequels. You get, you know, kind of the wooden acting and the things that you want to complain about the prequels. But the second one's called Attack of the Clones, and the third one's called Revenge of the Sith. And for so often, we, the joke has been the best part of the Star Wars movies is in the scroll. Well, they took the scroll from the, the third movie. They took the scroll from Revenge of the Sith and said the Clone Wars raged on and said, excuse me, what if we did an entire show about this war? And it starts off inauspiciously with a very bad television movie. If you're going to watch this series, if you're going to do it on the strength of this podcast, skip the movie. Go straight to season one. You're not missing anything, I swear to you. Go to episode one, season one, and rock from there. And know that as you watch, the writing gets tighter and the animation gets much better. Um, it tells the story of the fall of Anakin Skywalker so that the events of Revenge of the Sith actually have emotional resonance. 
Because, Susan, I think this is one of the big points for you, is that when you first watch Revenge of the Sith, you're like, why would I care about this whiny man-baby becoming Darth Vader? After yes. watching Clone Wars, you call him Anakin. Yes, it it enriches the the movies that people complain about the most. Gotcha. And and I think that they're, I mean, honestly, I think it redeems them to an extent, which I, you know, I am so underqualified to talk about all of this nope. stuff, and nope. I will be the first to admit it. But I, I, anyone who isn't watching, who has not watched Clone Wars, but is a Star Wars fan, is completely missing out, and they're doing it wrong. It, it's <laughs> so interesting to watch you go from someone who was like, how to be talked into this, to like, saying things to me in casual conversation that have taken people who watch, who care about this stuff for years to get, like things like, wait, there are no good guys in this Clone Wars, and that goes larger into there are no good guys anymore, period. Like, one of the cool things Fioni did, is, we'll talk more about Rebels in a second, but especially in Clone Wars, is he's very subversive in the way he presents the idea of the war. So the idea behind the Clone Wars, for those who are unindoctrinated and just want to hang out and listen to me and my wife talk, first of all, thanks. Um, it was a war orchestrated by the dark side. Um, Emperor Palpatine was playing both sides against the middle. He was gaining power and money and notoriety while at the same time driving the galaxy to the brink of extinction to where that they would have to consolidate under his ruling hand and create the empire. That's largely the story. But as you go into the nuance and you think, oh, Jedi, good, Sith, bad, the lines get blurred as you, as they would during a war because the idea that the Jedi are good because they're fighting for, I guess, the Republic is an interesting notion, one that is continually challenged to the Clone Wars, so the idea that why would these peacekeepers even be acting as generals in the first place? And I think that that was one of the first moments where I watched you kind of question, like, wait a second, they're selling this. You would say this like twice a week, like, wait, kids watch this. Yeah, I mean, there, there's murder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's a war. There is murder. It's, it's, it's like dark. And it's you have, there there are moments where you you see the parallels to things that are actually happening in the world, and it's well, like, remember, oh god! That the original Phantom Menace came out under the, the really the shade of the Iraq invasion. Yeah. And this idea that you'd manufacture a war to make money and gain power wasn't a foreign one. It was just like George Lucas wasn't probably the the best writer to pull it off yes. in the way he wanted. The idea but, that the the Jedi's could be the the, the Je we're supposed to think that all like the Jedi's are Jedi's are good, but they have a manufactured human army that they fight with, <laughs> and then the bad guy has a manufactured army that's you know droids. It's like who what? It's I don't know. It's super interesting that you say it that way because it's something that people don't really can get their minds around unless they really think about it. Because for a long time, it's just like, oh, those are just the clones. But the beauty of the Clone Wars, the beauty of serialized television is that it allows you to get into the lives of these clones. And what does it mean to be a clone? What does it mean to, oh, you would not exist without this war, but you're fighting for something that doesn't represent you. Yeah, and the, the show gives you those stories. Like I, as someone who was a like casual fan, like a lot of people are like, you know, you're a kid and you, you grow up watching these movies. Lightsabers uh, are cool. Next question. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it's, uh, Wookiees are adorable, you know, like whatever, whatever draws you to it. It's designed to do that. But there's a, there's an entire world that is explored in Clone Wars that you really just get snippets of in the movies, like the clones. I mean, there are entire mm -hmm. episodes that are centered on those characters 
and they make an effort to show you that they're differentiated, like sing, they're, they're differentiated people. Yeah, they're, they're individuals, they're people, you're 100% right. I thought one of the really interesting things, particularly in this last episode of Mandalorian, was tying the youngling or the child or baby Yoda, however you want to call him, Gugro, to the fall of the temple, to the moment where we all joke about, oh, Anakin just kills him kids. Which is what yeah. happened, and, and presumably the child watched this happen, and it's now having a lasting impact. It's one of those things that I've always like. If you think that that's a cool thread to pull through, watch Clone Wars because Dave Fioni takes he redeems Jar Jar Binks repeatedly. Yep, yep. he's a, he's a trusted ally. Oh, very and, much so. In in a, such a bigger way, it's man. It's so good. And I thought one of the one of the best things about watching it the way we watch it is that you didn't have to wait. So for those who don't know, this is a series that started, I believe, in 2008. The Clone Wars series did, or 2009. And we don't have the end of season seven until this past May, 2020. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it allowed you to kind of watch it with fresh eyes because by the time we're watching the episodes, I'm watching them for, for the first or second time. And it was really kind of miraculous. But in that 11-year odyssey, you've got to, like, you, things you don't know, people were so against the character of Ahsoka to know when she was created. And I can't the imagine. Term, the, the beginning of Clone Wars starts with a, a Padawan being assigned to um, Anakin and Obi-Wan. And for a lot of Star Wars fans, it was like, oh, why are they throwing this kid character in here? Why are they throwing this thing? Meanwhile, 11 years later, we're screaming at the top of our lungs because Rosario Dawson's brandishing two white lightsabers in a wrecking ship. Yes, she's such a badass. And the, <laughs> I just, the idea that people couldn't understand that through their relations, like through Anakin and Ahsoka's relationship, you uncover new things about Anakin. The, the idea that I could have watched that episode of The Mandalorian with you and not understood that Ahsoka was directly referencing Anakin, I just feel sorry for people. And another young <laughs> Jedi who was tied by an emotional tie, not just yes! Anakin. You're we'll right. talk about it later. Um, yes. But I think that, that for me, watching this with you, it was so enriching for me to watch you immediately latch onto and relate to Ahsoka. And she achieved the goal of the character, which was to be a viewpoint character for a new audience to bring fresh eyes to everything and yeah. watching her grow and change and evolve and her relationship with the Jedi change and evolve. It, it kind of depth, depth deepens your understanding of like why people put so much time and effort and energy into loving this product, because you know me and let's just have a good idea who what kind of weirdo I am. I find out something that I like, I deep dive on it and then I file it away. I'm, I'm able to move on. I'm, I'm a strange person like that. A lot of people just kind of, this is it. Like, this is Star Wars is their thing. And I, I was glad that you took the time to learn kind of the why, because it's not just, oh, it's a war television show, you know? No, it's, it is, <laughs> it's a war television show that's somehow for children that <laughs> just, it, but it shows you the, the, the awful shit in such a nuanced way. And yeah, and it's still so entertaining. And I don't know, just the way the characters are developed. It's so great. And I feel like I understand. I mean, Anakin is such a central character to the Star Wars storyline. And I, I think that to an extent you, you don't understand that character or character unless you watch Clone Wars. Right. And so for me, Clone Wars is really good. Like Clone Wars is fantastic. Seven seasons, uh, Disney Plus, go watch it. I'm telling you, go watch it. 
Dave Fioni is the one who's executive producing Mandalorian. I told you last year to watch it. You didn't listen. Now Ahsoka's here. You know who that is. So I'm telling you right now, go watch it. Um, so Clone Wars was, it had a lot of head listening to do. Like you said, it, it was the, the bridge from episode two to episode three. And it also had to carry the narrative weight of make Anakin, this make his fall matter, but at the same time tell these other stories that are important about the war. The next series we watched had a much more narrow remit. So between um, Attack of the Clones, or excuse me, Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope, falls the television series Rebels. Uh, Rebels starred Freddie Prince Jr. Rebels was a little bit modified animation style from Clone Wars, but it took place airing-wise after Clone Wars ended, but before it actually ended. So after season six, before season seven aired on uh, Disney Plus, I believe. And I had been told for years that if you like Clone Wars, you love Rebels. If you like Clone Wars, you love Rebels. And I was like, ah, the animation's a little bit different. I don't know how much I love it. If you have that feeling, stop. Listen to me. Believe in Dave Fioni. He knows what he's doing. Because Rebels, as opposed to taking this big war, making it feel just as expansive as possible, it made the resistance to the the Empire feel much more intimate and personal. You're introduced from the, the jump for an orphan on a planet called Dothal on the Outer Rim named Ezra Bridger, who is Force-sensitive, meets up with this crew of Rebels who are terrorist armed insurgents. So, so like, there's no two ways about this. Dave Fioni from Jump Street says, oh, these are terrorists. And you're cheering from them from episode one, scene one. Susan, I, if, if, if you loved Clone Wars, watching you get into Rebels was like a revelation. I was, un, I was uncertain of Rebels only because of how good Clone Wars is. <laughs> and, and this is prior to watching any of it. You were, t- you were like, all right, this is what's next. And I'm like, I don't know. There's no way it can be good, as good as Clone Wars is. And I think it, it was either you or Mike that challenged me and said, when you finished, when you finish Rebels, you won't be able to decide which one is better, which I could not believe, but it is a hundred percent true. Well, I, I think it's because they both serve different masters. Yes, but they they still pull on the same threads though, and it's it's so it's just another amazing story with amazing characters that uh, you know work together in different ways. Like it's it's more of a micro story for sure. But that means that you get to know these characters differently. They're always together. They're a crew. It's, it's, and it's different because you're not given the archetypes moving in. Like we, all the characters introduced in that show were made for that show and have spread to one yes. sense. Yep. Meanwhile, in Clone Wars, we knew Padme. We knew Anakin. We knew Obi-Wan. We knew Yoda. We knew a lot of the principal players. A lot of the heavy lifting of exposition was done for us. Yep. Here, they had some like, shit to get through before they yeah, got to the story. Always, yep, totally. There's an endpoint. Here it was like... I hear some people you don't know, and you're going to learn a lot about them really slowly. And whether it's um, Zeb being the last survivor of his planet, or so we thought, whether it's Sabine being tied to the clan Vizsla, or it's the fact that Kanan's a Jedi. It was yes. this slow unroll of everything, and it added to the mythos. So we'll go through the series in a second, but for those people who are like, oh, cartoons, okay, cool. So the Rebel ships appear from Rebels appear in um, Rogue One. The end of Rebels is the beginning of Rogue One. And they also appear at the Battle of Exegol in um, Rise of Skywalker. So these are like established canonical moments that Dave Fioni has added to the mythos. He's added to the tapestry that is Star Wars and made it richer, more full. Um, the cast of Rebels for me is, is really the selling point. Obviously, the events we'll talk about shortly. But 
my favorite character to this day is still the greatest pilot in Star Wars history, Harrison Dula. And to put a woman as the captain of the ship, and not just the captain of the ship, but like a well-respected member of the Resistance, and be the best pilot they've got, no arguments. I thought it was just a cool decision. Like it, it, it's, it's not, and it's not like a groundbreaking decision, but it's a decision that's never played for jokes or laughs, and no one ever questions it. There's like Captain Zendula, what do I need to do? Yes, they give us outstanding female characters in both of these shows, for sure. Definitely, they really do a really good job, of, in my eyes, of making Padme feel less of a ornament that she plays yes. in episode three and more of an active participant in, in the galactic civil war. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, Harrison Duel, I could sing the praises of Sabine Wren, who at the first onset is just this Mandalorian girl who's fighting with the rebels. But because it's Dave Fiona, he uses this opportunity to go deeper into the Mandalorian mythos that he had started to scratch at Clone Wars. And for your friends who freaked out when they saw the dark saber, this series is why. This is it. Yes. God, it's so good. <laughs> it's so fucking good. And, and there's so many moments, and, and because it's television, you have the ability and the, the latitude to go deeper into these things. There was a moment in Rebels um, near the end of the series where I said, Susan, I need you to hold on real tight here. It's about some really high Jedi weirdness bullshit. And Susan's like, ah, how weird could it be? Susan, how weird was it? It's so fucking weird. But it's the best. <laughs> This show gives you insight into the force in a way that none of the other stories do. Like it's again, it's just giving us more than what where we've got where we've gotten before. And I it's it's great. It's, it's so that. fantastic. It's fantastical. It's the best. Let's it, it, let's it, stop it, talking and go watch one of these shows. We're about to go rewatch the episode <laughs> of Jedi of Mandalorian because I've only watched it once so far, and that's a cardinal sin. But I did want to ask you this, coming from like ground zero to where we are now, like it's so cool to watch you grow in appreciation and understanding and kind of like getting why Mike and I have loved this thing for our entire lives. And keep in mind, when we were loving it, it wasn't like this. It wasn't this good. And there's a lot of, and, and I've, I'm not going to bore you with the Star Wars hardos who are like, if it's done by Disney, it's not real. Disney took a lot of the messy continuity that came from the people writing stories outside of the fiction, outside of the movies um, since then, and kind of parsed it all down and made it all fit better. There's a, there's a group of characters, um, there's a character specific from Rebels, Admiral Thrawn, who in the books, there's a trilogy of novels written after, um, I believe, I forget, I'm not going to script the author's name, but I do know it's called the Thrawn Trilogy, and... That's one of the examples of stories people lamented when Disney bought the rights. They're like, oh, we don't, these stories don't count anymore. They don't matter. Disney's going to Disneyfy this. And they made Thrawn goddamn terrifying. And it's one of those things where I'm like, this is a children's show. They probably shouldn't be doing this. This is a children's show. They probably shouldn't be doing this. Like the last season of Clone Wars, when um, the, the last three episodes, the Siege of Mandalore, when Ahsoka is literally diving through the sky to take out all those encampments and land on Mandalore for the siege. There's so many moments like that in Rebels because whereas we only had Ahsoka who we were so emotionally tied to from beginning to end, here it's every character. Oh my God, we get Darth Maul in both Clone Wars and Rebels. I, I really, we could, that's a whole he, other hour. He is, about Maul. Oh my God, he is like 
I feel like in the movies he's just like a menacing character, right? He's just a menacing bad guy. He does not speak in in, in no. menace. He is he shows up in Han Solo. Oh my god, he's the fucking best. Darth Maul <laughs> is the best. Such so, a fucking nuanced character. Okay, so and you, honestly, you, the epitome of what we've been talking about, where there's like this the the balance. You know what I mean? Oh my god, it's so good. <laughs> Gosh, this is all very real. Like, she's not putting on an actor. This is how she talks about Star Wars. She gets too excited <laughs> and she shuts down. It's very I'm so, oh. <laughs> But I think Maul's a great example of one of the things we're talking about here is that Darth Maul was a cool concept and idea that was introduced in episode one. I'm trying not to get super nerdy here, but there's a there's a moment in episode one when he and Qui-Gon Jinn are fighting and the song Duel of the Fates is playing because it's literally the fate of Anakin Skywalker. What will happen to this boy because of this duel? Qui-Gon falls. Qui-Gon, the man who saw him as a son, who cared for him as a son, he falls. Obi-Wan, who only saw him as a tool, as someone to be given to the Jedi to be another Jedi, wins. And that's kind of what happens to Anakin and helps exasperate his fall to the dark side. Darth Maul was a cool visual. But when they wrote him for Solo, they passed the script on, and it got to George Lucas and Fiona, and they're like, absolutely not. This is not what Darth Maul sounds like. Here is who Maul is. And it's one of the reasons I always jokingly say, oh, they should do a Spider-Man television show, because you get a lot more time with these characters. Two hours in a theater is enough to build a little relationship with the character. But if you want that relationship to grow and change and evolve with the characters, you can't wait four years between movies. That's the beauty of the medium. That's the beauty of the Mandalorian. Everything they've given us this season, from Katie Sackhoff as Bo-Katan. If you're curious about Bo-Katan, go watch Clone Wars and Rebels. She's all over it. If you're curious about Ahsoka to know, Clone Wars and Rebels. Because the most, and that's one of the fun things watching these with you, Susan, is that I know what's coming. And part of me did this rewatch because, yes, Clone Wars was ending, but part of it was also because the rumors for Rosario were already out. Fioni was already the, the EP of Mandalorian. There were always going to be rumors about him taking the animated stuff and bringing it to live action. The first hit this season of Mandalorian, for the record, was the spider monsters in the cave, which are actually from Rebels Season 3. He brought those to life, and I was like, oh, we're on. We're here for a ride, guys. And it's been so interesting and so fulfilling, almost, to watch him say, basically through the medium, I'm not slowing down for people who didn't watch. Bo-Katan, keep moving. Yep. You're not getting 20 minutes of expedition. No. When she says things like, I know what happens to young, powerful Jedi with attachments. Yes, she's talking about her old master, um, Anakin Skywalker, and how it broke really bad for him. She's also talking about how Ezra Miller sacrificed himself for his friend. And so did Kane and Jairus, for that record. Caleb Doom. And the asking of, take me, where is your boss? Where is Thrawn? There were three groups of people that day. One, what's a Thrawn? Two, oh my God, they're bringing that character from the books back. And three, like me and you, who looked at each other and said, oh my God, Ezra Bridger. And as rumors continue to pour out of Lucasfilm and pour out of Disney about what's coming up next for serialized television, whether it be the Obi-Wan series or the rumored Sabine Wren Ahsoka Tano series, hinted at the end of Rebels during the epilogue. I know it's in good hands because I watched Rosario Dawson move like Ahsoka Tano on the, in live action. That was some of the best lightsaber action in live action I've ever seen. 
It's just, I, I wish you could, I'm just in here. I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, yep. Mm-hmm, yep. 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 Like you can see me right now. It's so good. It's <laughs> so fantastic. It's just, it's, we all have time, you know, all you we do. have right now is what time. Do do? What are you doing? Go watch these shows. It's so good. Heart, soul, and life and tears in this. And if you're like, who is this Dave Fioni guy? There is um on D- Disney Plus, there's that Disney um Star Wars Creators Roundtable. I think it's episode four from season one, where they let Fioni just cook for like 15 minutes. <laughs> and he talks about what Star Wars means to him. And if you don't believe me, go look up any of Freddie French Jr.'s interviews about Star Wars, because he just starts talking about how much Dave Fioni knows and how much he cares. Because at a certain point, Lucas and Fioni just sat down and he said, explain the force to me. Explain all this to me. And I'm not going to do it the lack of justice that I would right now. But it's really injected into everything you see Fioni's name on. It is an ethos, a seriousness of approach with the same level of whimsy that George knew he needed to capture the kids. Hope's the most important thing. They've always got to have hope. There's always an opportunity for you guys to come back. And I think that's what's lost in a lot of people who want the story to be something they're not. Like, yes, this is a more adult version of storytelling, but it's still a children's story. The heart of it is the same. Right. But it's it just you, I don't know, there's more emotion, there's more... It's, but even hearing oh, like a so good. Talk about the Force, like... I joke and like, oh, they made the they made a Jedi religion in England, but I'm like, dude, why can't Jedi be a religion? A, a, a force of energy that in, connects the entire universe. What is that but religion? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, when she, when she took the time to, exp- I just you could have pushed me <laughs> off the couch. So good. It's it's so wild that we're seeing this now, and now it's it's not like oh it was done on like a, a, a movie no one saw or a show no one's watching. This is the cultural thing that's happening right now. This is when the Mandalorian drops, the world stops, and when Friday came around, and you and I were both like we should watch this episode because we both seen enough tweets where it's like Rosario Dawson, like I knew it. God bless America. And I told you what three weeks ago I said, like, look, Fiona's directing episode five. That's when we're getting Ahsoka. And what I really loved about the episode of the Mandalorian, which we can talk about right for a second right now, is that it was Star Wars. There was a quest that married a space western and a space samurai movie. Because that scene with her and the magistrate in the like Oriental Garden, it was beautiful, beautifully shot. But you juxtapose that with Mando going around with a, literally like a switch six shooter, having a standoff outside the hallway. The like I the like layered scenery mm-hmm. and like the depth you get. It's just it's so it was a beautiful it, episode. It felt like it was pulled from like a good Clone Wars episode. Yes, absolutely. It just like deliciously filmed. It's so good. And like my running joke is that. I think the kids who were in the streets this this past summer may have watched Clone Wars, but if they watched Rebels, it'd be a lot lot louder. Just leave it at that. Um, but yeah, and now we're on this cusp of them sending Ezra, or them sending, excuse me, um, the Mandalorian and the child to a temple that has name that ties back to like old Republic stuff, like stuff that 
I've never bored you with. And it's the nod to saying, oh, those stories you loved, we're, we're repurposing them. It's, it's basically, hey, those stories you loved, that was something that we, it was a fully cooked cake. This is the chopped kitchen. We're going to make it better. We're going to save it. We're watching a lot of chopped too. I don't know. Sorry, guys. Um, <laughs> well, I'm ready no to be in inter- that reference. <laughs> it's fine. It's, we're just talking to each other anyway. Uh, no, I, I'm like, I'm so ready to be entertained. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. it's, right. it's so thrilling. And I, the, I, I just, I don't know. I just can't also, get over that there are people who don't know the things that we know. But it's also, and I just idea. want them to know. <laughs> I want Susan, them to know so they Susan's can feel the way that I feel. Susan's calling all the filthy casuals. Susan's calling all the filthy casuals. I am. It's just, who didn't know anything else. Like, now somebody's like, oh, you haven't seen Rebels? The idea that the show is that good without having the information that we have, like, why wouldn't you just want to watch these shows? I'm like, again, all the time in the world. What are we doing right now? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> This is most of the reason I wanted to record this. I wanted everyone to see what had happened during quarantine. Someone who did not care about Star Wars eight months ago is now. I'm gonna get square. I'm gonna get concerned calls from friends. This is like Stockholm syndrome <laughs> shit. Blink twice if he's if he's not holding you captive. Um, but no, I think sometimes Stockholm Syndrome works because I've tricked you into loving things that are pretty interesting. Archer, I tricked you to love in Star Wars. Um, I'm slowly going to get you to love X-Men. I've given up on Dragon Ball. It's never going to happen, but hey, it is what it is. I got you into football. This is, I got you into basketball. This is, this is, uh, brainwashing works, kids. That's all I'm saying. This Sports works. is mostly because of the, the beers that come along with it, but. And 30 for fine. 30s. That's true. I do love a good 30 for 30. <laughs> Bonus points if I cry at the end. Oh, Bonus the Alan points. Iverson one. If you're, if you're trying to get your bonus oh, God. Sports, watch the Alan Iverson one. It ruins Susan and it ruins sports for her. The one about uh, the U as well is one of my faves. The U for different kind of ruining that. He's like, yes, why are sports fun anymore? I'm like, because of this. This is why. <laughs> a lot of fun. Oh, God. Took the fun away. Um, before we get out of here, I, I, I got to ask, what aren't there many episodes? I guess, was it eight episode seasons? So we're looking at two more episodes or three more episodes this season. What do you want to see in the next three weeks of The Mandalorian? What what would what would and, and let's not let's take out the stuff the big stuff. Let's take out Ezra Ezra Bridger. And I don't think we're probably getting thrown this season. Is there something small like for me? My list literally is I want to see Bo-Katan again, and I want to see him fight um, at, uh, Gideon with the dark saber versus that staff. I think I, I want to continue to learn more about Grogu. I mean, I think Look they... Look name and everything. My Thank you. You did say it wrong earlier. I was I know I did. That's, that's, that's okay. <laughs> and here we are. I, I got you. Uh, I'd like to learn more about him. And they, I mean, they gave us so much in this last episode. And I yeah. like that they're picking the pace up. Like, yeah. they, they, there's a clear store like I, I don't want to say there wasn't a clear story in the last season because there was but there's a it's like the fiona thing if you watch clone wars or rebels the first season's always kind of like here's the universe you're playing in yeah the dangers here are the pratfalls and at the end of the first season it's like here's some shit that's going to make you scream and for us it was a dark saber for this for rebels it's ahsoka to know in the last episode like it is Ugh. moments oh man that he knows how to set that hook and say we'll see you next year 
And the I, next I, year, he makes no apologies. He's not like, well, if he missed last week, here's no. It is we are putting the pedal to the metal, foot on the floor. Let's see if you can keep up. And we're in keep up place because I I I I barely touched on the fact that one of my favorite wrestlers in the world, Sasha Banks, was on the Mandalorian as a Mandalorian. Like, we look back at season one now, and we're like, of course Dave Fioni had a plan for these guys being weird sect underground Mandalorians who don't take their yep. helmets off. We watched yeah, ten seasons of these motherfuckers, and their helmets never on. Sabine Wren changed their hair color daily. Yep. No, you're totally right. And this guy's like, I don't. this is the way. I'm like, this is not the Mandalorian I know. And Dave Fioni, in the background, was just like, wait for it. And you're totally. right, Dave. I waited, and it was worth it. Yeah, I think I think the other thing that I would that I would want more of is I want some more of the weird, you know, space wizard shit. Like I, I know we're gonna get that because he's searching for Jedi's. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's that's the I mean that's the part of Rebels that I love the most is when it got weird. That's when I was like, oh man, take keep let's keep going, let's keep going because it's you just learn so much about the Force and it's like give us more of that. I want to see what that looks like in like live action. Please. I certain and the thing is, like normally I'd be like, well, let's just take what we got. But I don't know that Dave is gonna shy away from it because when I say that season four of Rebels gets fucking weird, just whew, it's it's weird, man. And that's taking into account season three of Clone Wars wherein they had um the, the Mortis trilogy when they go to the planet Mortis. And we find out that who Anakin really is and what it all really means. And yeah, they do all that in this stuff. A lot of heavy little things done in the cartoons, and they're bringing the cartoons to life, which means stop listening to us, go to Disney Plus, and press play. Thank us later. That was your show. There'll probably be a sports something this week because, honestly, there's nothing else to do. But I'll see you guys then. Have a great one.